It's time for Monday Night Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Featuring the News Gazette media sports writers, Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, and Scott Ritchie. Delivering the latest insights on the Illini and more. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are the News Gazette media sports writers and your host, Steve Kelly. Hey, good afternoon, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Monday Night Sports Talk. We are with you until 6 o'clock this evening. The phone lines are open, 356 9397. We've got the News Gazette sports writers with us Matt Daniels, sports editor, Scott Ritchie, beat writer, Bob Osmussen, beat writer. And coming up at 5 30, Lauren Tate will join us to weigh in on uh, the news of the day and quite a bit going on. Matt Daniels, as you're laying out tomorrow's paper already <laughs> and all the uh, things that you'll be writing about, but everybody's heard the news. Now, I would guess, unless you're just getting in your car on the way home, but uh, the IHSA Boys Basketball Tournament's coming back in 2021 to Champaign-Urbana and the State Farm Center. Yeah, it was a, kind of a highly anticipated uh, decision by the IHSA. Kind of all signs had been pointing towards a, a return to Champaign uh, in the last few months or so, even last few years when this, this bid kind of, uh, this bid process kind of started a few years ago for for Champaign and uh, yeah, just a historic day to, to get the tournament back in, in Champaign, an event that uh, a lot of people in this community probably thought was never going to leave, and, and then ended up leaving for, for 25 years to Peoria, and, uh, you know, Peoria had it going there for a while, uh, you know, first 10 or 12 years in Peoria, and then the event kind of diminished a bit in, in terms of attendance and also just kind of overall enthusiasm, and that's a key challenge now for, for Champaign. As they enter into the 2021 tournament, especially amid these uncertain times with the coronavirus pandemic and not sure how that's going to affect crowds or things like that. But it's a three-year contract that the HSA awarded Champagne, so the tournament will be here from 2021 through 2023 as Bob is running outside, I think, in the wind. But uh, it's, uh, it's, good to, it's good to have the tournament back here in Champagne, and, and now the key is to hold on to it and, and really enhance the event. You mentioned that nobody thought it would leave mm-hmm. uh, the first time 25 years ago. Complacency might have been uh, a key factor in that. There were some other um, budgetary issues mm-hmm. that figured into it. But and I, I also think that if you correlate the time that it left and you take a look at University of Illinois basketball recruiting mm-hmm. of yeah. Illinois high school students, I think it affected that over the course of those 25 years. Maybe not so much immediately, but I think as years went on, Kendall Gill was on with Lauren and I on Saturday. He thought it was a major factor mm-hmm. in uh, the U of I's um, lessening success of reeling in the in-state kids. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I mentioned this on, on Friday Sports Talk, and by no means was I an elite high school basketball player at all growing up in, in Glen Carbon and attending Edwardsville High School, and Scott Ritchie can vouch for that as well. But You're better than I was. Just the, the fact that as a young kid, as you're you know shooting hoops on your driveway or playing in local games, and you know you think to the day when you get into high school and things like that, and, and the fact that the state tournament was in Champaign, and just to have such an iconic venue, the way Assembly Hall looks like looked like on the outside as a kid, and then seeing the crowds that would – would swarm in there too it was it was a mighty impressive feat and that's the the venue that you dreamed about playing now we've gone a generation of, of players in the state now who haven't had that experience 
they've always thought of you know the state tournament being in Peoria and now Champaign's got a chance to uh, really kind of rewrite history and, and make the event kind of a, you know, a signature event. I don't think, I don't know if it's ever going to get back to its heyday the way it was and, you know, parts of the seventies, eighties and early nineties, uh, four class basketball, I think has really kind of put a, a dent in, in those plans. And, uh, there's a lot of other things going on, uh, you know, in the sports world, hopefully knock on wood come, uh, come March, 2021. But again, too, the big, f- one of the main factors we can talk about this more later is just, the focus on Champagne is going to be on the basketball and, and everything that Peoria did in creating the March Madness experience was well received by fans. Perhaps that took people away from actually going inside Carver Arena and watching the games and here in Champaign, the focus is going to be on the games and what's happening inside State Farm Center. Bob Osmussen and yours truly try to put a little uh, maturity <laughs> in, into the conversation. Not that you guys aren't mature, but you're not quite as experienced and been around quite as long as we have and saw it uh, in its heyday. And then mm-hmm. at 5.30, Lauren saw it even mm-hmm. more in its heyday. But, Bob, you wrote in Sunday's paper it would be a slam dunk for it to come back to see you, and uh, that's exactly what happened. Get, let's get your thoughts. Well, I'm not surprised it came back. I think Champagne and Urbana did a great job putting a bid together. I think they realized the last time they weren't quite ready. They didn't have the arena done, but now it is. And, Really, this community is a lot different than the one that lost the thing 25 years ago. And I think we, I was here, Steve, you were here. Yep. I think the Champaign-Urbana, I think we did take the thing for granted. I think we didn't care quite as much. I think we didn't we didn't fill the place quite like, quite like we had. I think there was, was some complacency in that. I definitely agree with Kendall. I don't think there's any doubt that kids, Illinois will benefit in basketball from this a ton because Kids will try to play here in the state tournament and hopefully for Illinois come here and play later. So I think it's a great thing for Illinois, but more more to the point, I think it's a great thing for Champaign-Urbana. Scott Ritchie, what are your thoughts on the, the format, the way it was laid out today? They're going to crown all four state champions on the same day coming up in March. Do you like that? I mean, that might be the way to keep fans – coming um i think the first may a couple of years back in champagne just the nostalgia factor will probably lead to some bigger crowds but uh, eventually uh champagne's gonna have to fight what peoria fell victim to it's just really no one showing up i mean i went to last year's uh, state tournament uh, for uh, you know, the 3a and 4a weekend when it was still split and just weren't anybody there i mean carver arena was kind of dead um, so that's a challenge for Champaign now, um, but I think all four state champions being crowned in a single you know, day and the fact that it's not going to go head-to-head against the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament uh, anymore uh, should you know, maybe be able to you know, shine that spotlight only on high school basketball you know, for that weekend. Well, it's going to be interesting, too, because the, the format's going to take place. It's going to be a Thursday through Saturday, and, and IHSA Executive Director Craig Anderson addressed it uh, earlier this afternoon. Uh, he was on a conference call with a lot of other entities as well that lasted nearly an hour from about 3 to 4. And he said that the, uh, the revised schedule for the state tournament is also going to affect the start of the postseason for all four classes. So Class 1A and 2A, which had started a week ahead of time before 3A and 4A, all of them are going to start now on the same week. So it's going to be interesting how that all plays out. But it, it'll be – you know, there's so many layers to this. It's not just as simple as Champagne's getting the state tournament back. The fact that 
the first day, that Thursday, is going to be devoted to Class 1A and 2A with the state semifinal games, and then they're playing the third-place games and on Thursday and Friday night, which is – I don't know if that's the best decision because those are prime viewing windows for people to watch the tournament and also go to games if they're working. And to have that be third-place games for 1A, 2A on Thursday and then same thing on Friday night with 3A, 4A, that doesn't really lend itself to kind of the best – potential atmosphere i don't know how else they could do it though not have the third place that's games. one way that is <laughs> that is true yeah but i it's think they want to they want to guarantee that a team will get to play two games i think though that final saturday though having all four state title games in one day is just going to be an incredible experience and yes state tournament attendance has dwindled significantly in the last 10 to 12 years in peoria but and again, I'm speaking in this in a pre-pandemic world. Yeah, and that may not be all Peoria's fault. That's I mean. true. But if you look around throughout the state on a, a regional night uh, in late February for small schools or sectional title night for big schools in, in early to mid-March, you look at the high school gymnasiums they play at, those places are packed. I mean, three, 4,000 people. You know, I covered a, a 2A regional title game in, in St. Joseph this past February between St. Joseph Ogden and Bismarck Henning Rossville Alvin, and Bismarck had kind of some more probably brought about some more casual fans because they were undefeated at that point but you know I showed up 45 minutes before tip and the place was full I mean you couldn't park anywhere around the school so the interest in high school basketball is there in this state it's just getting that to translate over to the state tournament is kind of the key factor that is, is going to have to be solved now. Scott uh, Brad Underwood had a comment a statement obviously excited that it's coming back. What do you think it means to the University of Illinois basketball program to have this back in town? I mean, I think the one thing that's probably it'll be the top of the list of positives um, is just the fact that Illinois could have some of its potential recruiting targets in the building getting uh, playing on that court, um, maybe as freshmen, sophomores, juniors, seniors, what have you. I mean, there's going to be more opportunities to get you know, re- recruits, in Champaign, um, at State Farm Center, um, hopefully maybe playing in front of a, a, a sold-out crowd or at least a big crowd. Um, so I think that, that's the clear positive. I mean, I don't know that it's going to be the one thing that puts Illinois over the top for an in-state kid, but um, Illinois has recruited you know, more in-state for the 2021 class. I mean, it made it more of an emphasis, and you know his – really started down that path uh, in 2022. So, I mean, I think the, the, the full impact probably isn't going to be felt for a few years well, at and, least. and one other factor, too, with in, in regards to the University of Illinois men's basketball program when it comes to the state tournament, when it was here last in 1995, the Ubbin basketball complex wasn't in existence at all. So that's another selling point that Brad Underwood and his staff can sell him. I'm sure if they were them, just leave the building open all three days. The state tournament is here <laughs> and say, come check out the, the venue. And then Ubbin's trying to upgrade itself as so well. And, yeah, and in a few years, that could be the another kind of focal point of you get a recruiting target on campus. Well, uh, you get an invite mm-hmm. to come check out this brand new you know practice facility. Well, and the thing, too, is teams, you know, the three or four teams are supposed to play on Friday. Assume they'll arrive on Thursday. Maybe they arrive on Wednesday. I'm not real sure. I know it. Currently in Peoria, they would have the teams all come in the day before. They have a banquet the night before the state tournament game start on Friday. There's a potential you could have high-level recruits in Champaign-Urbana for three to four days, getting a chance to not only play games at State Farm Center but also walk around the campus, see the facilities, 
really experience the community too. And uh, there's just so many possibilities now for, for the Illinois men's basketball program when it comes to it from a recruiting standpoint that uh, I think this is nothing but a, a win-win for them. 522, we've got the phone lines open, 3569397. Lauren Tate will join us at the bottom of the hour. Bob Osmussen, what do you think Illinois uh, people, Champaign-Urbana, the committee, the representatives, everybody working on this project, what do you think they learned, not only by losing it the first time, 25 years ago, but uh, coming up short in a bid a few years ago as well? Well, I think it's twofold. I think, first of all, you can't, again, overcharge people to come here, hotel-wise. And I think they took a brunt of the blame for that, and I'm not sure that's right exactly, but they, they took the blame. So I think the commitment to not overcharge is really smart and something pretty easy to manage because if you don't, if you do the right thing and don't overcharge people, People, go, people are more likely to come. They'll spend money here. I think Champagne would rather have the tournament here than not have the tournament here. A lot of things going on, but I think that's a great focal point the community. So I think we learn not to take the thing for granted. No, don't gouge people when they come here. Make that we'll open the arms of everybody here. And I, I, I promise my part, I will do everything I can. We're out there for tomorrow. I'll do everything I can to make sure people will understand. Go to the games, first of all. Fill the place. Now, there might not be people at the games next year because of the virus, but there are seats available. Every one of those seats needs to be filled. And by hook, by crook, get people in there, get people enthusiastic, cheering from the start to finish, and make people there feel like, wow, why did we ever leave here in the first place? That's what you need to get. I think that has to happen soon. I think I think the p- committee, the people that put this together, starting with Gene Lewis, but everybody else did a great job of convincing I just say that this town is ready to have this thing back. We'll not make the same mistakes again, hopefully. Matt, what are you and your staff working on for uh, not only tomorrow's papers, mm-hmm. but uh, the rest of the week as well on this particular story? There's other stories that we're going to talk about and get to here on the show, but what are you working on in relation to this? Yeah, I mean, uh, just to go off for for tomorrow's uh paper you know we've got uh, kind of a main overview story just kind of uh addressing kind of the the economic effect jane deluce mentioned this afternoon that uh it'll be about a four million dollar economic impact on champagne urbana and the greater community and they'll have a better idea on that once the new format unveils and and how long teams are going to be here and arrive uh scott ritchie's got a story on on brad underwood's comments uh, and just his reaction to it as well colin Likas is our preps coordinator, he's kind of going kind of nuts and bolts, kind of the, the behind the scenes, kind of why it left Peoria and, and why it ended up in Champaign. Um, you know, uh, some ideas we've got it tossed about or just kind of a look at maybe some of the top 100 players in, you know, the state's tournament's history, both here in Champaign and also in Peoria. Uh, just a, a number of different story angles uh, that are out there that will continue to, you know, actively and aggressively pursue, you know, in the weeks and months ahead. Did you give uh, Scott an assignment of 68 questions about <laughs> the IHSA coming back? By the uh, way, that was good stuff yesterday, Scott, in the uh, News you. Gazette on the 68 uh, NCAA basketball kind of questions. But uh, go into a little more detail on what you're looking at here for this story coming up tomorrow. Well, it's, you know, 
Brett it's already Wood. written, by the way. It he is. Wrote it, yeah, so. Brett Underwood mentioned... Um, and Bob has a column tomorrow, too. I didn't mean to neglect that, but Bob already mentioned it, so there you go. Have you checked his work yet? I did thoroughly <laughs> right before I got in the booth here. Well, mine, uh, <laughs> yeah, Brett Underwood, he mentioned that you know, something that Dan Thomas had told him was you know, when he played in the state tournament in 1989 for Simeon, it was the first time he'd ever been to campus. He was a sophomore. Um, and I think the, the, probably the hope for Underwood and you know, the only coaching staff is they can have more moments like that. Uh, so you know, he just sort of he spoke about just the, it made the impact that could have on recruiting and you know what it could do in state. So I kind of you know, dove into that a little bit, but uh, you know, several you know players at least you know, more more in the past than you know, may in the last you know couple decades turned those early opportunities at uh, well. Huff Gym and then uh, Assembly Hall into you know Illini career. So uh, Brenner was repeatedly said he wants to recruit the state and keep the the top players home. Uh, maybe this is another you know way to do that. Well, Lauren Tate will join us coming up in just a couple of minutes. He'll take us down memory lane. Sounds good. To the Huff Gym days, way back when. Five twenty-eight. If you'd like to join us, three five six. 9397 is the number. This is Monday Night Sports Talk on DWS, and we're back with more after this. Monday Night Sports Talk rolls on here on DWS. This is Steve Kelly along with Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, Scott Ritchie, and our veteran correspondent, uh, Lauren Tate, has joined us on the phone. LT, how you doing? I'm doing good. You brought in the killjoy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just thought we'd get your uh, point of view on things. Uh, I don't well, think you, you know. You know, I looked some stuff up, Steve. Did you? And I'm. You want to know the difference between what's happening now and what's happened years ago? Yes. It's real simple. It's real simple. In the first 50 years of the tournament, beginning in 1908, the first 50 years. No Chicago team won the state championship. None. Zero. Mm -hmm. First one was the Chicago King in 1958. Since 2008, when they went to four divisions, which is a terrible decision, there have been 24 Chicago city teams, not suburban, just strictly Chicago, win championships. And that's what hurt attendance mm -hmm. in Peoria. Yep. Because the Chicago teams, you got, for instance, Orr has won three straight championships in 2A, which is second to smallest. Those, that, that, uh, that 2A and the 1A, those were set aside essentially by the people at, at the IHSA for the purpose of allowing the smaller schools to win championships. And that's still the case, but now some of the Chicago schools are even taking over that just the same way King and Simeon and and others have taken over at the other division. So that's my point, is that the tough part in getting attendance, and Bob wants every seat filled, and I do too, but the problem is if you have too many teams out of Chicago, they just don't follow the way that the downstate down teams used to follow. No, I mean, those are those are great points, Lauren, and you know I've, uh, I've covered five state tournaments in, in the last 12 years or so, and uh, you know your alma mater, Monticello, uh, made it to the the state tournament back in uh, in 2017, and they went up against Chicago Ore in, in the state semifinal game. I'm sorry, I game. couldn't hear. The Monticello played Chicago Ore in in 2017 in, in the state semifinals, and at, over at Carver Arena was the 
the last game on a Friday night, so I think it tipped off about 8.30, 8.45 or so, and Monticello brought a, a sizable contingent of folks to, to Peoria, but Chicago or might have had 50 to 100 fans there, and, and that's always been the case for Chicago area, Chicago Public League schools is getting the crowd support to come down to Peoria. I'd be interested to see if Morgan Park, you know, a few years ago when Iowa DeSumo was playing for a state title, if that game was in Champaign, if that would have brought up more people because as we've seen in the past here in Champaign when there's a Illinois recruit that's playing, whether it's at Centennial or at Parkland College, the fans usually come out to watch them at all. So, But, no, that's a, that's a key point for why attendance has lagged. Craig Anderson did say this afternoon that the attendance wasn't uh, a reason for the move from Peoria to Champaign. So we'll, we'll see how much that affects it in, in Champaign at all. This is Monday Night Sports Talk. We got uh, Lauren Tate, Bob Osmus, and somebody else on the phone line with us as we move our way through. If you'd like to join us too, you can join the party, 356-9397. Lauren, you mentioned uh, a little bit ago something about downstate basketball. What's happened to the quality of high school basketball downstate? Who are you asking that question to, uh, Steve? I'm sorry. That's uh, That was directed to you, sir. Okay, well, downstate's real simple. I mean, once upon a time, we had a lot of schools downstate that that were prominent. I mean, whether it's Paris or Taylorville or Champaign, there was a period of time when there was great population in, in a lot of the downstate schools like Mount Vernon. That you know, I, I'll give you one. Uh, uh, Rockford West won consecutive state championships in '55 and '56. They now have 50 percent of the uh, population that they did at that time. What we're seeing is when you study the state tournament, what you, what you find is that all those schools that were so successful back there, Stephen Decatur doesn't exist anymore, does it? I mean, Pekin has not won championships in the 1960s. You had all those schools downstate that are just uh, not, they don't have the population anymore. Go ahead, Bob. Well, well one thing, okay, go ahead, Steve. One thing uh, I heard this weekend uh, from for Kirk Wessler and, and the other people I talked to was that move from two classes to four classes was really in their minds. And Lauren says that it's too huge mistake. And I agree. I, I don't think you should have one. I think one's not enough, obviously. But I think two split in it literally between small school and big school made perfect sense. I think four is uh, no offense, but kind of dumb. Okay. Uh, it, well, let it, me it delete hey, Bob. Yes. Let me let me just say that when they changed, uh, when they went from one to two, I was I was skeptical about it. But that was the heyday when they went to two. You had Lawrenceville come in here in the in the one A. You right. had Proviso uh, East and Chicago Phillips and all those good teams coming in, and the, they had two really good champions during that period. And and we uh, we loved to see the Madisons and the Nashvilles and the you know and the Lawrencevilles again and again and the McLeansburg and so many of those teams that won. 1A championships really drew crowds, and it was right. really prominent. The, the tournament was really good at that in that period. I agree completely. Lauren, you might, Lauren might remember this game, and I remember it very specifically. Before they went to two, I mean, went to four classes, Richard Keene, as a high school senior for Collinsville, played at the Assembly Hall. And I remember a huge mm-hmm. crowd there. He had a great game. Yep. He had a ton of points. They got beat. There weren't much of his team beyond, beyond him. 
I remember that game, and I remember everybody was watching that game because of Richard, because they knew he was coming to Illinois. They knew he was going to be knew he was going to be a player, but ended up being a really good player for Illinois. But I think that kind of allure, I think that can come back even with four classes. That can come back if Underwood does a good enough job recruiting these kids from Illinois. The other thing is, I think people want to see good basketball. So there are guys going to other schools in Big Ten, and naturally they will play here. They'll play here, and I think people should embrace that idea. You know, go watch the guy that's going to Louisville, going to Kentucky, or going wherever, because you never get to set that level of player so close other than the Big Ten game. So I think, I think to me, it's a chance to see great players no matter where they're going, but they're going to Illinois, especially people will be interested in that. No question. Locally, we're responsible now. Champaign-Urbana, you got to fill that place up. you got to buy a receipt, do whatever you can. You get nothing else to do in early March, right? Just take the time, go to the games. I'll be there. I promise I'll be there. Lauren will be there. Matt and Scott and Steve will be there. But go go to the games. We do have the phone lines open, 356-9397. To try to bring uh, Jay into the conversation, calling from Savoy. Go ahead, Jay. Yeah, you talk about how the tournament has changed over time. My dad started going in 30 and didn't miss any years until he died in 82, and I started in 65 and haven't missed any years since then. So I've gone from one class, two classes, to four classes, and I agree that the four classes appear to be too many. But another major change was that we used to have the Chicago Public League, and that was everybody in Chicago being funneled into one, basically one game and coming downstate, whereas now in all four classes you can have four Chicago teams winning all, in all four classes. So that's a, a major difference, and that does affect attendance dramatically. No, that's entirely yeah, true. It, there's no question. We, we see that at, 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 uh, in Peoria. When I was over there, I, it was very noticeable. that you, you can tell which teams draw players and which ones don't, and uh, – you know, just an example of the last championships, uh, you had Pro- Pro- Providence St. Mel, which used to be a power, I mean, at a, a, among bigger schools, Providence St. Mel won the 1A. Mm-hmm. Chicago Orr mm-hmm. won the 2A. I mean, uh, and then you got East St. Louis and Belleville West that were the other champions. Uh, let's face it, East St. Louis does not draw fans up here the way uh, some of those other schools used to draw from this part of the state. This part of the state is, what, is, what, is where we're really having trouble. The central part of the state, the Champaigns and the Decaturs and the Taylorvilles and all those, you know, and the, and the Peoria teams, they fall. The interesting thing when they went to Peoria was at the very time that Wayne McLean had those championships, they had a run of four straight championships. Wayne was the coach of the last three. And, you know, his teams were like 31 and 2, 32 and 1, and 31 and 1. And they, they just every year they were dominant and they were playing at home and that made a heck of a difference. And right behind them came two Peoria high school teams that won state championships in 77, uh, I believe it was. And uh, in that era anyway. And so when you had Peoria teams so good, they drew to Peoria, you know, they drew the games in Peoria. They drew fans in Peoria and that changed in recent years. Anything else, Jay? Well, the high school coaches used to take kids to the games, too, and that really has dropped off in recent years. Mm-hmm. I used to coach in the National Trail Conference, and every yep. year, you know, we take our, our players to Champaign to see the games, That's whereas good. going to Peoria, you hardly ever see 
a coach and his team over there watching the games. So that's that too is another major change. Yeah, good stuff, Jay. Yeah, Thanks I, for the call. When I was in high school, Steve, we we were allowed. I don't. I think it was either seven or ten tickets for for the players to go to the games. I can't remember the number, but I know I went uh, for at least three years when I was in high school. Uh, I got to come to the tournament because our high school got free tickets. I guess they were free. I don't know if they paid for them or not. I know I didn't. <laughs> Maybe I was illegal. I I know you didn't either. A <laughs> uh, true statement has never been said on this airways. That's right. But listen, I remember. I want to tell you, uh, Steve, I was going to tell you the greatest games I've ever seen over there, and I, I'm going to tell you one I did not see. That was Centralia beating Paris in 1942, but I remember that game because Dyke Edelman was the only returning starter on the Centralia team in 1942, and they beat Paris 35-33, uh, to 33, and Dyke Edelman at that time had everybody on his back. You know, he was a fantastic uh, four-sport athlete, actually three sports at Illinois, and uh, that that was the game that got me involved in it, and that and, and Johnny Orr. I, I used to pretend like I was Johnny Orr. When I shoot baskets at home, I thought I was Johnny Orr. He was the Taylorville star. Mm-hmm. And uh, later on, I played golf with him. So I, he wasn't a very good golfer. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, I, I go back a long way on this thing, and I'd really love to see the tournament back where it was. But it's just kind of out of focus right now because of the – dominance of the Chicago teams. I don't go back as far as you, but I remember one of my first uh, uh, state tournaments back in 79, 1980 in that range, Bruce Douglas and Quincy when they were in town. And, uh, of course, uh, Bruce had his brother uh, on the team as well, and he had that uh, length of the court pass to uh, score the winning basket. That was one of the first things I remember about the the state tournament here. I said, boy, this is really fun. And uh, they had some great teams, and that's another – Another area where they've been good, but uh, you need those kind of programs back good again. Yeah, and uh, it's just it really it's great to see the way Lincoln has held up over time, and, and their teams are still good. But the problem that I found in following Monticello, and when they had that good team a couple of years ago, is they played Bloomington Central Catholic. And anytime you have a team that has a chance to recruit, as the, as the Catholic schools naturally do, just as the Chicago schools do, it's a great advantage over the small town schools, and they. Just, I went home in the third quarter because Monticello's about twenty-five points behind, and I think I was sitting in my living room at nine thirty that night watching TV after leaving the game. Well, Lauren, we appreciate you checking in with us. We'll let you go, and uh, we'll talk to you as the week moves along. But uh, always good to visit with you. Thanks. Thanks, Lauren. Get busy Saturday, uh, Steve. We need guests. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see what I can do. Thanks. That's Lauren Tate with us. At uh, 544, Bob Osmus is going to stay on the line with us as well. We're going to talk more about this if you'd like. There's also some other, some other sports news, some basketball recruiting, baseball or not. Ah, baseball. Major They're starting baseball. to make me mad now. So we'll talk about that, and maybe uh, you have an opinion on that as well. Stay with us. We'll take a time out and be back with more Monday Night Sports Talk here on DWS coming up after this. Welcome back to Monday Night Sports Talk, everybody. With you until 6. Phone line will stay open, 356-9397. If you have any thoughts on the IHSA decision today to return in 2021, knock on wood that there'll be a basketball win. There's a lot of things that need to be 
sorted out between now and then for that to happen, but uh, hopefully it will. Hopefully there'll be football this fall, then basketball uh, later this fall and into the winter time. But we'll have to see how things go. In the meantime, basketball coaches, Scott Ritchie, still on the recruiting trail kind of from from home, still getting offers out there. And you're telling me that uh, Brad Underwood and his staff has put a few more on the table, right? Yeah, and I mean, obviously sort of the big news of you know, today in this area was the, the state tournament coming back to Champaign. Uh, it was also the first day that college coaches could contact the class of 2022 recruits directly, um, starting it uh, just after the clock struck midnight. Um, but uh, Illinois staff has reportedly reached out to nearly 20 recruits, uh, most mostly in the 2022 class, um, and then a little you know, in the 2023 class as well. But you know, of that group, there's six new offers, um, you know, five 2022 recruits, and then one in 2023. And of, since we're talking NCAA basketball, Two of those five in 2022 are from Illinois. Uh, Trey Pettigrew, who's a 6'3 guard, plays at Fenwick. And then Kyle Thomas is a 6'9 center, I guess-ish. Uh, Big man. A, yeah, a post, a front court player. Yeah. <laughs> uh, plays at St. Joseph. Uh, and then also, just to kind of round that out, uh, Kalel Ware is from uh, Arkansas. Ramel Lloyd is from California. Joseph Hunter also from California, and then Brandon Gardner is a lone 2023 recruit uh, that got an offer, and he's from South Carolina. What'd you say the kid's name is that plays at St. Joseph? Uh, that is Kyle Thomas. Is it Daryl Thomas? There's been some famous Thomases coming out of that program. Is he in relation? Do we know? Oh, so to maybe Isaiah. Uh, well, and, and Daryl Thomas, Thomas came yeah, out of there yeah. too. That played it in. Uh, I'm not sure. He was. Like, just picked up an offer this afternoon, like, while we were on air, so I haven't really dived into it too much. You can't multitask, Scott Ritchie. Come on, it's 2020. He he couldn't call us to tell us about that. Why not? He said, hey, I got got an offer. Yeah, well, that'd be nice. All right, Scott, come on. So, um, I would expect more 2022 recruits. You know, maybe get some offers. Maybe find out some new names here in the next week, just because, you know, today was the first day. It's not the last day. I mean, this is... Sort of just kind of opening the floodgates for the the class of 2022. What do you think it's going to be like for Brad Underwood and his staff, whether it's Stephen Gentry, Orlando Antiguich, and Coleman, when it comes to ev- properly evaluating these recruits in the 2021, 2021, 22, 23 classes, given the fact that there hasn't been a normal spring evaluation period and the summer evaluation period is all for naught, essentially? Uh, well, uh there's just not going to be evaluations uh, unless you know there has been sort of this proposed idea to have three evaluation periods in one each in August, September, and October. Uh, so that would be the opportunity, especially for the 2021 class. Like it's their last opportunity, really. You know, save for their high school seasons, which by that point, college coaches have their own teams and seasons to kind of worry about. So it splits their focus. Um, the 2022 class has a little more. You know, flexibility there because, you know, hopefully by next spring and summer, you know, things are a little bit more back to normal and, you know, those evaluation periods will actually happen. But um, it's like they've had high school film to look at, uh, but that's all, you know, going on, you know, three months old at the best. And, you know, players change and, you know, teenagers change, like grow six inches or something. (laughs) I mean, it's, 
yeah, the more often you can see these guys in person, uh, the better. And there's, there's no opportunity to do that right now. College uh, football news. Players are starting to report back across the country. Iowa, Bob Osmussen, uh, in the headlines, maybe not for the right reasons. Uh, I'm not sure that all publicity is necessarily good, but uh, things are happening out there, and they've uh, decided to settle up with their strength and conditioning coach. Get us up to date on that. Well, he's been there 21 years, I believe. The whole time that Kirk Ferentz was there, he's been there. And they did their separation agreement today. The thing I didn't see about that was money. I saw he got insurance for the next year or so. I didn't see anything about money, so I assume that's probably gone, too. He was the highest paid, the think strength coach, certainly in Big Ten, 800000 800, and maybe more, uh, 800000 a year. So well paid, obviously has some huge issues there. And I, the question there is, will Kirk Ferentz survive? Seems like he will. I haven't heard what happened today. They have press conference afterward. I haven't heard if he's talked about that at all. But I assume they'll try to do what they can to keep him, but they can. But obviously they made a choice there they felt like they had to make. Well, the, the severance for their strength coach, I guess it's essentially, uh, is just over $1 million. So he oh, got, okay. He got, so so he, he got paid he to go away. He can, he can afford to eat dinner tonight. Okay. Yeah, he, well, that's he'll, probably smart. He'll be, fine. he'll be fine. Okay. And his, okay. his son, who was on the team, already announced last week that he was transferring as well. So he's in the transfer portal. Just crazy to think, and we yeah. mentioned this off the air, I think, uh, a week or two ago, but just all the, <clears throat> all the scandals that have hit Big Ten schools in the last five, six, seven, eight, nine years, dating back to, to Penn State and the awful situation that unfolded there. But it's just, you know, Kirk Ferentz is the dean of college football coaches, and uh, I know he has his detractors in Iowa for some of his conservative play calling and the way he goes about things, but he's been kind of a model of consistency for the better part of two decades and now he's getting hit with some forces that may be outside of his control maybe not because again this also too just goes to prove how important whoever you hire a strength and conditioning coach is for your programs because they are around the players more so than almost anyone it is 555 need to take one final break we'll do that and be back with some final words here on monday night sports talk on dws <laughs> A couple of more minutes left on Monday Night Sports Talk here on DWS. This is Steve Kelly, Matt Daniels, Scott Ritchie, Bob Osmus, and Lauren Tate was with us as well for a few minutes. Talking mostly tonight about the IHSA decision to come back to town. More coverage coming up at the News Gazette. A lot more coverage coming up uh, tomorrow on that. Major League Baseball, I thought maybe they had one thing they needed to do. One thing. Steve's getting fired up, and that doesn't happen very often. It doesn't. Get back on the field as soon as you can. Mm -hmm. And this time, they whiffed. They have totally whiffed to where I think now, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I would be surprised just based on reading uh, or hearing about uh, what Commissioner Manfred. Go ahead, Bob. I wasn't talking at all. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only thing they had to do, and yet in – in these times when all these people are out of work and mm-hmm. businesses are hurting and they're fighting over money. And, but the thing is, they're not talking to each other. No, it's a really weird dynamic and it's getting played out in, in the media and, uh, you know, both sides are coming off looking really not so good. And they've had a chance to really kind of capture the spirit, the nation's attention here in these, you know, in, in the middle of a crisis. And they're arguing about 
money and now it looks like there won't be a season in 2020 and now it's just going to set the game back even further so bob do you think there'll be a season now or not no i'm very pessimistic now and i'm always the half last half old guy i don't think so i think you're right they're probably done unfortunately stupid scott do you have an opposing view or an agreeing view with us i mean i guess there's still a chance that they can you know, maybe come to the realization that they're blowing it big time. So I'll, I'll leave the door open I'll just maybe a half inch. Okay. Bob, we miss seeing you. I say that every week. It's been three months. I'll be back one of these weeks. Thanks, Steve. Okay. Bob See Bob. with us. Matt, Scott, thank you guys. Thank you, Steve. Thanks to Tamara McDaniel as well for her help with us on Monday Night Sports Talk here on Newstalk 1400, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. For everybody involved, I'm Steve Kelly. Thanks for listening and have a good weekend. Not a good weekend, a good week. How's that?